Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Well, do you struggle to get out of bed every single morning? Do you feel tired and worn out all the time? Are you ready to increase your physical and mental energy? Today, I want to introduce you to Mary Brooks, who's here to help us solve our personal energy crisis. She's a thyroid cancer survivor who uses her experience of being underserved by conventional medicine to help facilitate better healing for others. She's the creator of Sustainable Nutrition and the Fuel Better Formula, a system for helping people get the right fuel mentally and physically to lead their best lives. Her focus is on helping people, just like you and me, get to the root cause of low energy, fatigue, and burnout. She has a master's in health education from the University of Virginia, and she's a certified integrated nutrition coach with over 28 years experience in the health coaching field. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on your favorite podcast app. Open up Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Inspiration Rising and click subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Now, my conversation with Mary starts out a little bit mellow, but she downloads tons of wisdom throughout this interview, and you need to pay attention and maybe even have a notepad, piece of paper, pen, pencil, whatever it is nearby to take some notes. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Mary Brooks. Well, Mary, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I know in your coaching of women, one of the issues that you primarily focus on is this concept of energy and the issue that a lot of women struggle with having low energy. Why is that? This you know, will continue to change, but I think the number one thing is that most of us have constant chronic, low-level, unabated stress. I think that's number one. I really think that's number one. I think the second for women is that we often have kind of a convoluted relationship with food. We just have had mixed messages about what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. We undereat, we overeat. So our guts are not the best and we, when we struggle with food. Um, and then I, then I think there's toxins. We are living in probably the most dramatic, you know, we've just had this exponential increase in chemicals and toxins and exposures. And women, I would say more so with men with the whole products and beauty care and and all the things. And then the last is just maybe not so much. we're, We're not playful enough. We don't rest as much. We don't play as much. So there's probably more, but I would say those are probably the key, the key ones. Man, I'm I'm stressed just hearing about all these challenges. So, so low let's go level, take a nap. <laughs> seriously, um, so stress um, that we all experience, and that, geez, there's so many ways that we all experience that. Whether it's from jobs, families, uh, even just social media, I think probably increases stress. I don't think that decreases much stress. We use it in a way to try to decrease stress, and then you said. Um, the uh, challenges food. that women have with food, right? Food. And then um, toxins. I think, you know, one of the things that um, many of the people that I interview point to is that women do the majority of uh, cleaning in a home. And mm. so like that even has access to toxins. Right. Um, right. And then obviously makeup and, and those chemicals. And then you said a lack of playfulness. 
Yeah. 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 And probably you would relate to this, you know, playfulness or purpose, you know, sometimes not being in our purpose, not being in alignment with what we really want to do. So if you really think through those things, there's, there's the mind, there's the body and there's the spirit in there. So it is, it is, it is all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in your work, you have come up with three pillars of energy. And Mm -hmm. if you want to maybe even tell us how you came up with that concept and what it is. Yeah. So as I just said, with the sort of like the mind, body, spirit, like we all know that, right? But I think as I saw people walk through my door and then I also, you know, was on a parallel journey with them. And in some ways, I, you know, if your, your clients are your classroom, right? So you, you learn from them what, what they need, but then you have to come up with a system of like, how do you address that? Because we can sit here and think, oh my gosh, like I want better energy, but I have to change so many things that's overwhelming. So that even that makes me tired. Like I can't do that. (laughs) Don't you just have a pill I can take? Right. Right. That's yeah. And that's a challenge for me as a practitioner, because um, we do want the easy way. We do want the quick fix. We, you know, we hear the term like biohacking, like hacking our way into things. And, and yet, you know, we all know on some level when you quick do things, it doesn't work. But I do have, I have to have a system of, of allowing people to make changes in a, in a, you know, sustainable, relatively easy way. So I always start with the brain because the mind is dictating so much of how our physiology is reacting and how we're reacting. So the mind and the brain, and, and it's really the perception of stress that is bigger than the stress itself, right? So you're starting when, when it comes with energy, with the mind first, as opposed to the body. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. 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 And, but I think part of the reason it works for me is that because by the time someone has come to me, they've done everything else. They've tried other things and somehow they know on a deep level that it is the agitation in the mind that is causing them the drain that I, you know, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I'm burned out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I'm stuck. Those are the things that people really can relate to. So learning how to harness the mind is, I think, number one. And I think what that really boils down to is being present. Because the brain, the human brain is the only brain, us and the primates, we travel forward and backward in time. Ah. instead of being here there's probably a part of your brain that's thinking what was I just doing beforehand and I was kind of overwhelmed and I spilled my coffee and oh my gosh like what was that and then what am I doing this afternoon and how's that gonna go and so our brain is very rarely able to just rest and be so Mm. that is a practice that the her the the modern woman and modern anybody doesn't really know how to do it. We have to cultivate that being present, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. That's number one. Then that's pillar one is that whole brain, mind, being present. And then really like understanding when our ego is telling us 
stories or, you know, dragging us. There's, there's a lot of that, which is, that's a life, that's a lifetime practice, I think. Mm -hmm. But just getting people to be present. I mean, a simple example is just, you know, be in nature a little bit instead of being on your phone, you know, 10 minutes in nature is really calming to the brain, right? Yeah. Where we were meant to be, we were meant to be out on the tundra. We weren't meant to be, you know, in front of pings and dings and, you know, all that, that kind of thing. So that's number right. one. Right. Okay. So if I slow my brain down, what you're telling me, if I, if I, if my brain rests, if I, if I'm present, I will actually ultimately end up having more energy. Yes. And, and from a science standpoint, you know, we have two parts of our nervous system. We have our sympathetic, that's, you know, fight, flight, or freeze when we're spending too much time there. Right. So the parasympathetic nervous system is our rest and digest tend to defend where we calm down. So we just need to put ourselves in that space more often because we're spending Mm -hmm. way too much time in that accelerated, agitated, non-creative space, right? Like you don't create in that space. You're just like, uh, you know, what, what do I need to do? And it's, it's, it's exhausting us. Like eventually mm-hmm. we're burning out mentally and physically, right? Mm-hmm. Accelerates you, the aging process too. Did you have um, personal experience in that area that like where this resonates with you or just generally you see this? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can do what I do without having, I believe it's empathy. You know, it's not, it's not just knowledge. It's empathy, like Mm -hmm. walked that same path. And I want to walk it through with other people. Uh, For myself, I think I had a fair amount of stress as a child. I didn't really identify that till later because, you know, what do you, you know, you're a child. You're like, this this is what what it is. It is what it is. Um, and then I had three children. And so I have, uh, I have three children, but they were born very close together. One and then twins came 18 oh, months. Wow. Twins, <laughs> twins, you, you're there. Wow. Right. And then uh, pretty high performing job. Um, always had been in sales and was like a high performer that was just kind of a high achiever, that sort of type A personality was also, you know, very, um, motivated to do a lot of physical activity. So, um, I didn't, I didn't believe at the time that I was under stress. Cause I was like, that's just what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. My immune system was crying for help. I didn't, it didn't recognize it then. I just thought, you know, shoot me up, get me back in the game. I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back about then at, about, I don't know how many years afterwards, but at some point I developed, I had, I got thyroid cancer. So I had to, you know, look back and I really do think there's, there were several factors, but I think that unrelenting stress had to have played a role in the decline of my immune system. Mm. Yeah. You know, even that concept that um, you're sharing there that somehow stress depleted or declined your immune system, which then led to cancer. That's what you're insinuating there. Mm -hmm. That is a, not a common way of thinking in our culture. You know, I know among probably your industry in terms of nutrition, that's more and more common, 
but usually it's like, oh, this is genetic or it's just, people don't say this, but it's like luck of the draw, bad karma, you know, kind of thing. Like not really bad karma, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's just this freak thing. Right. Uh, But you're connecting it to actual stress. I think we're in an era, you know, I guess everything comes full circle, you know, probably Chinese medicine always thought of that, that we always thought of the body as whole. It was only maybe in the last, you know, few decades that we just thought, oh, you know, we were just treating infections and all these random things. We didn't look at if there was any emotional connection or spiritual connection or mm-hmm. I think it, it takes several factors, right? You know, they, they, we say in functional medicine, it's like um, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Mm. We're in a space. And I think most people now are wanting to have some concept of why did they get there? Right. Mm-hmm. And then some ownership over how can I get better? Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of the light bulb moment for me was, so I had cancer. I um, had my entire thyroid removed. I had radiation and then I, you know, sort of went on medication but honestly, that's where I felt more of the crisis. That's when I didn't feel good. That's when I felt exhausted. That's when I felt helpless. That's when I felt like, wow, like I, I don't feel good at all. So at that point, you know, you kind of go on this, like, what the heck happened? And what I think sort of where the light bulb went off for me was, okay, if somehow my body created this situation, mm-hmm. and- only thing that changed was the surgery. I'm still in the same body doing the same things, eating, you know, what's the likelihood that it could happen to me again? I'm still the same. That's when I sort of said, oh, okay, then maybe I need to do something different. Maybe I need to look at how I got here and how can I mitigate, you know, Mm -hmm. So that it not so, not so much that doesn't happen again. I don't think I really had that fear, but sort of like, how can I do better with what I have? Okay. I do think. I hope. I hope it is the desire of every person for healing and for comprehension. You know, whatever, kumbaya with their body. Like, what what's going on here, and how can I help you? How mm-hmm. can I how can I make you better? How can I how can I take care of you better? Uh, that's that's kind of how I I felt about it. I I think there is a a changing um, I don't know what that is ethos about mm-hmm. um, people wanting to take more ownership. I have a lot of people who you know without saying they distrust the medical system, they are not really buying it anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not really satisfied. Um, they many many people say to me, "I don't want to take a medication. I don't want to take a medication." Like, mm-hmm. what else is there? Because we kind of know once we get on them, we're not getting off, mm-hmm. and often we're not getting better. So i I think I think different people have different. You know, i i I call it sort of the cosmic kick in the ass, where you're like, "Right, oh, right." I've been doing this, and it's not working. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe not everybody feels that way, but I, I do feel like there are a lot of people that are seeking something and sort of looking for 
you know, what else is contributing? And I will tell you this, you know, the, the typical person who used to come to me only, be, you know, because I like they want to lose weight. Now they're saying, I just want to feel better. I just, I don't feel good. I, I feel run down. I feel tired. I feel depleted. Uh, I can't get a good night's sleep. Um, and they will, they will talk about the mental health aspect of it. They will say, I have anxiety. I have depression. I don't feel good. Like, so, and I think that's kind of cool because, you know, we didn't used to talk about that much. Mm -hmm. People who had a diagnosis and were really, really struggling would even admit to having anything like that. But I would say 90% of the people that I talk to have some of it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. So the first pillar that we've talked about is the brain or the mind. Right. What's another pillar? So the, the next one, which is kind of what I think people are, you know, want to get from me or expect to get from me is the whole digestion, absorption, nutrition. How is food really working for me? And that's, this is really, I think, exciting because, you know, we've, we just like, what, you know, what did we all hear about food? You are what you eat calories in, calories out, like this very mechanical process of we're all the same, we should all eat the same diet. And as long as we eat the right food, we should feel a certain way. But mm -hmm. how much has that worked? Food pyramid. <laughs> how well, how well has that worked? I can still like hear the film strip or something going through as a kid. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Okay, so people are going, okay, this is not working for me. I need help with absorption. And how is this working for me? And it seems like, uh, I mean, is it one size fits all? Have you found that there's a particular way that everybody should eat? Or is it different for everybody? Or how does that work? Different for everybody. Some, some common principles that are often off for, you know, again, most of my clients are women. I mean, I have, I've worked with a fair number of male clients, and they do really, really well. But I feel like I kind of wanted to focus in on like female energy, but um, I don't think people come to me thinking that they have a digestive issue. They'll say, you know, I have headaches, I have brain fog. I don't feel good. I have joint pain. I can't get a good night's sleep. Those are all the symptoms. Um, but when you explain to them how digestion really works, how gut health works, how that, you know, we are not all the same. We are like special snowflakes when it comes to food and nobody's asked them that question. That's sort of the empathy part where no one's really said, how does a food make you feel? Have you ever thought about that? Instead, they've always been told, oh, you need to eat potatoes. Or you don't need to eat potatoes or eggs are bad or eggs are good. Or they've always just heard these rules and they've never come to say, oh gosh, you know, if I get, I eat almonds, I actually get a headache. Like, and I never thought about it like that. So I feel like it's the first time people are being treated like they're an intelligent being with, you know, differences. When you say that, it makes sense. Like, just as you're like, oh, right. Like, and here's the thing, you and I can sit down in front of the same plate of food, but it's going to be completely different in our bodies because why? Well, we're male, female, we have different ancestry, like I, you know, different descent. So we might 
have, you know, are, you may have grown up with that food in your culture. I may not have um, different blood types, different gut microbiome, um, different food intolerances. So that, I think that really excites people to say, oh my gosh, like that makes so much sense. And I get to, I get to like learn my own body and then eat in accordance with that. You know, they may have days when they're like, I don't want to eat like that, but at least they have that knowledge that they've, they've never had before. So that whole gut digestion, food intolerance, blood sugar is huge in terms of why people can be so tired. Mm. So I think all of my relatives were very passionate about fried chicken. All right. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And I mean, I love fried chicken. But I have this feeling that it adds to my midsection. But my brain says that that is the food of choice, Mary. Well, humans aren't always <laughs> acting in our own best interests. All right. <laughs> you know? So how do I determine? I hear you say, all right, how does food make you feel? It makes me feel really good. I might be a little sluggish, but I'm good. Uh, so that's one thing that you're asking people is how does food make you feel? But also what are some of the other ways that I would determine what foods are either I'm intolerant to, or that are better for me in terms of my gut microbiome and all of the above. Right. Well, the first really basic thing is, you know, kind of this goes back to, you know, if you have these pillars, um, one of the things that we can do with our food is stress our body out and make our anxiety and our brain feel more agitated when we're eating foods that don't make us feel very good or very simply if our blood sugar is just a train wreck. So most of us inadvertently are kind of eating in a way that puts us on this food roller coaster. So we we talk about in my industry, what we call the sad diet, which is standard American diet. So you think about it, I mean, people are doing much better, but you know, the average person, you know, used to get up, eat a bowl of cereal, maybe have a bagel, then, um, you know, have a hamburger and, you know, chips or whatever. And then their dinner would be like a basket of bread, right? So they're doing a lot of this high carb, high sugary diet, which puts them on this big roller coaster. So number one, it's just evening out that blood sugar eating, which, you know, now you kind of hear a lot of this keto paleo, which is a higher fat diet. So that is a way that people can feel less tired because what happens when you are doing that is your body compensates to save you. But then, you know, that's where people get, I can't concentrate because my blood sugar is so poorly regulated and it's playing out. Like we, we, I don't know what the numbers are, but are, are, we are moving towards diabetes in a like exponential way in kids, kids in particular. So blood sugar regulation is key. Then, um, you know, eating in a way that helps your gut, my, my, your, your microbiome. So if your audience doesn't know what that is, give you like a really quick crash course. We all have this good, we have good and bad, bad bacteria that are, that is in our gut, which is where our immune system lives in our gut. And this is where the brain comes back in to play because a lot of your neurotransmitters, you're feeling good, you're feeling happy, 
lives in your gut. So you can, we have lived in a very unfriendly gut period of time because we take antibiotics, we consume antibiotics in our, because they're given to our livestock. We eat a, you know, who hasn't had processed food? We take over-the-counter medications. We've done all these things that sort of deplete some of that good bacteria. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, when our gut is not happy, we will be more tired. We will be more depressed. We will be more anxious. We will be more agitated, all of that. So it's in all of our best interests to have better gut health. Make and, sense? How do, and how do I get better gut health? Uh, taking probiotics is a, a step. Um, putting in lots and lots of gut-friendly food. The easiest thing I tell people, um, you know, there's more to everything than, you know, but... Well, we're just covering the surface here, obviously. Right. Yes. Surface. Eat seasonally and locally. Because when you do, if you had some lettuce growing out in a little pot right now, it would have some of the local soil on it and you would be continuing to grow that microbiome. So seasonal foods, because they're going to be freshest, right? And locally, because they're going to have local local soil and they're not going to have been transported from far, far away. So adding probiotics, eating locally and seasonally and like lots and lots of vegetables, fruits and vegetables, because they have all those good um, microbes and they feed the microbiome as well. That's, that's in a very simple way. That's the best way to boost your um, gut health. Okay. Probiotics uh, locally and uh, seasonal. In season. Vegetables. Locally right. and in season fried chicken. Yes. Just kidding. Locally and in season vegetables. Okay. How do I even know what's local or in season? I mean, that's but a crazy, crazy, crazy question, but. Go to a farmer's market. Okay. So whatever's there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Think about it. So it's winter right now. Um, you know, the root vegetables, the, um, the winter squashes, the, that's what's in season. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if someone, just so you know, like I, I get it when it sounds like too precious and too fancy for the average person. You can get frozen, like organic vegetables, and you can just do a quick online search. You know what's what's in season right now. But you know we all kind of know that it's like apples are in fall, and pumpkins are in fall, and asparagus is in the spring, and the little you know. So if we think about that, but but yeah, I mean, but walk in if you can walk into a farmer's market and say, "What are you growing? What's in season?" Because those are the best things to feed the microbiome and, but you know, any deep, dark, brightly colored fruit or vegetable because the fiber from those, and then all the pigmentation from those foods is just really what's best for our guts. And how do I know what kind of probiotic to take? There's obviously a bazillion on the market. Do you have a particular favorite? Is there something I should be looking for? Should I go? Yeah. I mean, that's, I've got it. I think I've got a handout on my website, but you, you either want a spore based. There's one um, that's made by microbiome labs because the spore is thought to survive the gut better. 
or you want something with a high, um, has multiple strains, multiple strains of different probiotics, and then a high, what we call CFU. Um, and then the key is to rotate them, rotate them, continue. Cause you, you know, think about the diversity of our diet years ago. I mean, we would eat everything. Like if we would get a carrot, we'd probably eat the carrot tops and the whole thing. The average person now, like this is, this, you know, little keys, like probably if you ask a person how many vegetables they eat, they don't eat a big volume and then they eat what? Three. So it's diversity. It's diversity. That's key. So a probiotic, same thing, multiple strains. People think, well, if I'm just eating yogurt, I'm getting enough probiotics. But by the time you put the sugar and the dairy in there, you're not, you're, you're not getting enough. Okay. All right. So you're filling me with all kinds of knowledge. I know. No, this is good. This is good. Okay. So uh, brain, then body. Um, So uh, the way that I'm thinking, I'm de-stressing. I'm also now eating, uh, I'm taking probiotics. And the probiotics, do they come in a pill form oftentimes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I'm eating seasonally and locally. Lots of vegetables. Yep. Fried chicken's out. Um, Maybe we can find a healthy version of fried chicken. That's no fun. Uh, all right. Healthy, but you know what I'm saying. There's usually a compromise in there. <laughs> uh, and then um, the the third pillar. Tell, take me there. That's you know that's the one that's a little more loose, if you will. Um, I include in there, well, sleep is huge, right? If you're not getting a good night's sleep, if you're having difficulty falling asleep, if you wake up multiple times, you're not going to have good energy. But again, the two things that we talked about, if those are working, you're going to sleep a lot better, right? Mm. Cortisol is completely jacked up. Your gut isn't health happy. You're not going to sleep well. So sleep is key. Movement is key. And movement doesn't have to be CrossFit or signing up for a boot camp. It literally can just be movement outdoors. But we we need that time to get out of our heads, to stop thinking, you know, to let ourselves rest and digest. So movement, um, personal care. I think that's that looks different. You know, there's a lot of talk about self-care today, um, but finding times to be still or quiet or do things that are make us happy. I am a big believer in creativity for this whole energy thing that we have when we are doing something with our hands or, you know, writing or cooking or painting or playing the guitar or anything that we consider creative we are letting our body, you know, calm down. Um, but we're, but it's, it's a way of being happy, you know, being, being at peace. Um, what do you like to do in that area of creativity personally? Uh, lots of things. I, um, cooking for me is creativity, even just like thinking about it, you know, the idea of going to a farmer's market or picking something out or, Um, you know, we say digestion begins in the brain. So for me, that whole like 
creative process is, is fun. Hmm. Um, I, I do a journal um, practice every single day that includes a gratitude practice. So even though I wouldn't say that's creative, creative, it, it does kind of get like, you know, the, the juices flowing, if you will. I'm just doing things in my home and my environment. Um, that I think is a form of creativity. I garden. So a lot of that is just like the planning of it and the seeing of it and the connecting to nature. So those are all my little creative things that I do. And I think it's important to plan those in. Like we, we push them out, but I try to micro habit them in. Like maybe I can't do like the big thing that I want to in creativity, but I can always do a tiny bite-sized piece of it every Mm -hmm. day. I think that that's the key is just to do something small, whether it's like sit with a book of poetry. I, I probably do one, at least one, probably two and maybe three little things like that every single day. The gardening and the, even the going and picking things out and cooking, I mean, both of those are very intentional. Like, you have to plan ahead on that. That is not going to happen last minute, generally. Uh, yes and no. Like, I, like, the gardening, I have, I mean, even, okay, so now it's winter. But I have indoor plants. And, like, part of my morning routine is just to check on the plants, to see how they're doing, you know, to see, like, that. Okay. So you can do a little bit of that every single day mm-hmm. and every single day. I'm glad you asked this question. Um, you can find many rituals and routines to feed yourself and make them small, but intentional. Like in the summer, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'll go to a garden store once a week, but I go water my plants every single day. I stand outside and it gives me that little sense of like, Oh, okay. I'm taking a break from the rest of the world. And I'm, I'm calming myself down. Does that make sense? And it's a a form of cultivating presence. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah, that's funny you say that. We have a large yard where we live and we rent the property, but, you know, the yard was a disaster. See, he he didn't really care what we did with it. So I got a bunch of succulents from Craigslist for basically free, just tons of them. Maybe I spent 50 bucks, but I got tons of clippings because people are always, you know, cleaning out their yard or whatever. And I planted two let's think how big are they maybe like six by ten five by ten areas and i didn't do it right i did put them in rows but i don't care i'm a row thinking person so i have these rows of succulents every other you know type and the only bad thing about succulents is you don't need to water them that often (laughs) that's a good thing and a bad thing so you know once a week I stand out there, I water them, but I'll even stand in the kitchen window and just look out at them. And it's so fascinating. I find my body just goes, just by looking at the plants, Mary, what is up with that? I I, I don't know. I I mean, in times of stress and in my, and sometimes in my worst stress, I think a lot of us do this. We turn to nature. Mm-hmm. I think we know, we know that it is calming and soothing to us. And if you want to go kind of deep on this one, you know, if you look at a plant, look at what it goes through, it goes through darkness. It goes through 
renewal. It goes through growth. It goes through all of that. And I think, um, you know, there's so much divine in nature that Mm -hmm. it reminds us. I think it brings us to some reminder about our own divine creation. Mm -hmm. It's a little deep, but I think how many people like when they're struggling are like, well, I'll watch the birds or I'll take a walk in nature or I'll hike or I'll swim or I'll bike. Like we, we, I think we are drawn to that. So I, I am with you. I, I feel like they, they just remind us of our spirit or our connection to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, their energy, right? Their energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think if you were to like walk around and say like, what makes you at peace? Yeah, you you said it, and probably no one gave you a book and said, "Hey, you know, you should do that to soothe your soul." But it it works. Yeah, and I will say, as a Type A driven person, mm-hmm. it feels frivolous. And as I get older and less driven, I'm able to just take a moment and just sit there and go, "Oh, this feels really good." you know, yeah. and it, and enjoy the beauty of it and think, oh, wow, look at how that's growing. Wow. Look at how I planted one thing and now it's got like four things sprouting out the bottom of it. That's amazing. How did that happen? Right. You know, it kind of, it, it is a creative, I, I don't think I'm necessarily being creative, but I'm marveling in the creativity of the plant. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, when I think about it, when I do, I'm like, I'm just the, I'm just the grunt, you know, <laughs> like I'm just the person shoveling or shuffling around. Like I didn't make any of this. I'm just the, you know, I'm just the person doing a little bit of work, but I think most people I, will tell you that they have something that they do that they innately love. And a lot of people, when they're tired, have given that up, have forgotten it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there, I think Rob Bell talks about this. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's mm-hmm. like, if you want to know like what you, like what you really love, you know, think about something that you can do where the passage of time, you don't notice that you, you're not aware of the time or you're tired, but you're not exhausted. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, and m- most of us have something like that. It could be, playing the piano or painting. I I talked to a client last week and she had gone through a lot of real trauma, real struggle. She's like, but I'm taking this painting class. And And she said to me, she's like, it's really hard to be creative when you're that stressed or when you've gone through trauma, but often creativity is our road back to that. And I think it's our road back to ourselves. Hmm. Um, but most of us have something that we're innately drawn to and um, for like remembering that I think is, is really key to our healing. And just, you know, when we are tired, like a lot of times we don't want to do something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even feel like trying, but often that's a way. Cause I think the mood that, you know, when you're working with your hands and you're making things doing, you know, humans are makers, right. Mm-hmm. We're the only species that makes things. And I think it's really uh, undervalued or thought of 
part of the the healing process. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I know obviously you have a program where people can work on this with you. We have just skimmed the surface on these today. But <laughs> we haven't scared everyone away, right? No, and this is great. And it, what's funny is it's like, well, duh, this is common sense, right? Mind, body, spirit. But until we have somebody come alongside us and bring things to our awareness and give us a system or a way of thinking about it, we oftentimes are just in a rut of doing doing whatever we did through our home of origin or whatever we rebelled against in our home of origin. (laughs) So somehow... Don't uh, make me eat my vegetables. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, we all have different ruts or patterns that we get into. And it's helpful when somebody comes along and says, oh, have you, you know, perhaps the pattern that you're in is causing you to feel the way you feel. So you have a, uh, a program called the Fuel Better Formula. I see what you did there. I like it. So fuel, clever. Fuel Better Formula. I like it. Um, what, what is, tell us about the program. Um, sell us on it. If somebody's feeling like, man, they are feeling down, they need some help. What is your program and how would they benefit? Yeah. So I guess the first is to sort of ask like, who, who is it for? And it's, it's for someone who doesn't feel great, you know, feels maybe run down, exhausted. Um, you know, there's a spectrum. Sometimes people just feel a little bit off and some people really are in a crisis. Like they, they, don't feel good at all. Some people have a diagnosis like a Hashimoto's or, you know, Crohn's or a colitis or an IBS. And some people just are like, I've put on weight. I don't feel good. And I'm not getting, I'm not getting satisfaction in conventional diet, conventional medicine. I would say that's kind of my ideal client. Um, what, what it looks like is working through those pillars and kind of understanding how, because I think it's really necessary for us to understand like how the body works, how it, it all does go together. That for all the things we learn in school, you don't really learn that. You know, as you, you learn the food pyramid, you know, the part when we really learn about how our brain works and tells stories and how we get caught in stressful patterns and um, how to cultivate presence, we don't learn that. Mm -hmm. I, I had, I always say this is everything I had to learn the hard way and spent, you know, money and time and energy and frustration to kind of like go, wait a minute. Okay. This is, this is how it works. So each of those pieces that we talked about in general are kind of a step in the feel better formula. Mm -hmm. And, um, the way I implement it is through these little micro habits. So every concept, whether it's um, anticipatory stress or blood sugar or digestion or the microbiome or getting a better night's sleep has kind of an awareness about it. Like, oh, this is what's happening and this is how it affects everything else. And then it has an implement an implementation because people are busy. People are already overwhelmed. And um, so I have to give them, us, me, you, just little things that they can implement. And once those become fluid and they're easy to pick up, then they can go on and, and enter the next thing. But it's also too about um, feedback loops that a lot of us, especially women when it comes to eating, have only been told, oh, you know, my neighbor does this 
diet or, you know, I read about this or I heard about that, but they don't really have this sense of um, trust in themselves of like, oh, when I do this, like, this is actually what makes me feel good. And when you do that, then you kind of have that feedback loop of like, oh, I, I ate like this and I realized I didn't get shaky. And, or the number of people who tell me like, oh, everyone in my family, you know, has this digestive problem. (laughs) No, it's, this is not like, you're not the, there's not a genetic for bloating. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And suddenly they're like, you're kidding me. Like, I, I didn't, I don't have this anymore. And that gives them the courage because I think the one thing that I would say where I've, I feel like I've differentiated myself is that there's a lot of product reliance now in nutrition. And what does that teach us? Don't trust yourself. You can't mm-hmm. be trusted to count something or weigh something or measure something or buy something. Whereas really the body is pretty ingenious right? And so it's teaching you, okay, how do, how do I master this so that I feel good? Because like I said, I, I have walked this trail, but I'm different. I'm, I'm not the same as everybody else. And so it wouldn't be fair of me to say, oh, you know, I, you know, only eat parsley because parsley makes me feel fabulous. So it doesn't mm. work. And I think, I do think we are there. I think people realize that They've been slung around and and tried so many things. And and especially with women, I think they get into a cycle of feeling really discouraged because they've been told, oh, just, you know, try this. Or their doctor just hands them a piece of paper and says, good luck to you. Mm -hmm. A bit of hand-holding to say, okay, how do I implement this? But then how do I, I, you know, I'm not going to live in a bubble. I'm going to eat you know, in a way sometimes that where I do most of this, but sometimes I can't, you know, and then what, how do I navigate that in a way that I don't, you know, fall off the rails, but I can also enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how many weeks is your program? Eight. Eight week program. And you only work with about 20 people at a time. Is that correct? Right now, that's, that's the model. Um, so it's kind of a blend of one-on-one time with me because I feel like the whole listening and um, getting to know someone and taking the time to hear their story is often really missed, you know, and I didn't, we didn't talk about this too much, but a lot of times um, in some of my clients, I mean, there's, there can be some trauma, there can be some things in there, even their food, their store, their relationship with food, something that just didn't go right. And they don't feel like anybody's ever really listened to them. Mm. So I feel like that's super necessary, but then I also want to give them the benefit of some other people because people, you know, this probably people don't heal alone. Mm-hmm. This is not a good formula for healing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think that was the dismay for me with my, situation. You know, I was in my forties, had cancer, had three small, you know, smallish children. I didn't get any support from Hmm. the whole medical nutrition community. So doing that in a small group, I think has some benefits. Some people are shy. They don't want to share everything, but eventually they'll, something will happen where someone else shares something 
that will speed the speed their healing along. You know, that again, Rob Bell says, don't go up the mountain with someone who hasn't gone before you. So when someone sort of walked that path and won't say, oh, you got to do it just like this, but we'll say, hey, I'll walk alongside you. Or I can relate to that. So many times people say that like, oh, thanks for sharing that. Like, um, I didn't, I didn't connect that before so that, um, they, it, it helps them move along. So community is part of it, but some, some personal, so that they kind of know like where to angle in and what's most important for them, what's going to be most effective for their own healing. Mm-hmm. All right. So people can check it out at fuel, F U E L better formula.com. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll put that link, of course, in the show notes and links to all of your social media so that people can get in contact with you. Well, Mary, thanks for taking time to scratch the surface of this with us. I'm sure it's uh, thank you. piqued people's um, interest. And uh, Thank you. I mean, I really appreciate it. It's not a, um, I mean, it's, it's not complicated. It's very simple, really, when you come right down to it. There's, there's common sense in there. It's like, Someone said the other day, sometimes it isn't new information that people need to know. It's something that they already really know, but they just need to be reminded of that. Um, But I appreciate you allowing me to talk about it because I think it is a deeply unserved or misunderstood need. And I think there is a real um, desire or need for someone to pull it all together and put it in one place so the person isn't zigging and zagging all over the place to like, you know, figure it out like I did. Mm-hmm. And the things that you as a professional assume are common knowledge, not to say that you assume, but oftentimes once we become an expert in something, we just are like, well, yeah, that's kind of the, you know, doesn't everybody know that? And uh, so many people just don't have, you know, even just basic understanding of a variety of these things that you're talking about. So it's helpful to um, touch base on them all. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to my conversation with Mary today. But this week, may you be open to taking an honest look at the three pillars that Mary and I discussed. And as you think about how you're treating your mind, your body, and your soul, What do you sense needs to change in your life? And what would it look like to start that shift today?